This episode of the Happy Hour brought to you by Sugar and Slice Bakery. Contact Kristen at 863-326-8097. You can email her at sugarandslicebakery at gmail.com. They're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sugarandslicebakery. See all the wonderful photos of their custom cakes, cupcakes, cookies, cheesecakes, and pies. Order for your next party, family get-together, or company event. Also, if you tell them that the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you, they'll give you $5 off the total of your next order. So don't forget to tell them that the happy, happy hour, hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. This is Colby Burnett from TBS's King of the Nerd, and you're on with the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course I've got... Deuce, what's going on, man? Hey, man. We're joined yet again. TBS has been so nice to us. Uh, we're big fans of TBS's King of the Nerds, which you can watch... Every Friday at 9 o'clock, or you can watch it online at tbs.com. Yes, and uh, we, you know, we've been speaking to some amazing people. Uh, we, we just had uh, Ben Tolley, Dr. Ben Tolley on, and uh, he was awesome. And of course, we're happy tonight to have the amazing magnanimous, intelligent. I mean, there's so many adjectives you can add to this guy's name, but we have, you know him as Colby from TBS's King of the Nerds of Season 3. So, Colby, welcome to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. All right. Thanks a lot, man. It's good to be here. So, I guess I'm going to start off right off the bat. How did you get into auditioning for uh, King of the Nerds? So, really, uh, so I'm the D-grade celebrity. So uh, what happened was I had a really, really good run on Jeopardy. I won the teacher's tournament, the tournament of champions. And my general demeanor just came across as being, uh, you know, for better or for worse, sort of cocky and full of myself. And the producers came across a promo that I did for a friend because they were looking for spelling bee champions. And my friend just happened to be a textbook publisher who was promoting a adult spelling bee for multiple regional branches of, you know, the people he works for. So I cut this promo. He puts it on YouTube. I don't think anything of it. They come across the promo, and then they come across all, you know, me being me on Jeopardy, and they say, well, this guy's gold. And they uh, they contact, I mean, they find my work email, and they say, you should really try out for the show. And so I did, and it just went from there. Oh, wow. I well, how how often were you on Jeopardy? How many times? So I was on eleven times. So uh, since the tournaments are only four games apiece, if you make it all the way to the end, so uh, so I won the teachers' tournament. That was four games. Then I won the tournament champions. That was another four games. Then I qualified for the uh, battle of the decades, where they brought back all the tournament champions winners and other uh, you know important or memorable. Uh, contestants and won one match and lost two so that's uh, how I got to nine and two and 11 appearances wow so like is every time that you you're on does, do you feel like uh you have like an edge because you won before or is it just like brand new experience every single time I mean it's always a brand new experience every single board is a brand new experience and you know I don't get an advantage because the tournament of champions is full of people who have been on the show you know at least you know four or five times just as many as I had been sure um, and the ultimate tournament of champions are people who may have been on you know you know tens of times uh, hell Ken Jennings was there Ken Jennings was on the show almost 80 times so 
uh, yeah, there's not a real advantage, you know, the further you go up. And when they do these big kind of all-star tournaments, you're just you're just one of the gang. So when you're on, you know, on camera, are, do, you, do you get any nerves or you pretty much just focus on the question and answer and that's it? Yeah, I'm totally focused on just, you know, trying to answer questions correctly, being gregarious. Uh, I mean, the thing about Jeffrey is uh, you don't really have to, like, you don't think about, you know, who you are and how you're projecting. It's just like I'm sitting there, I am answering questions, you know, trivia questions, getting paid to do it. I'm doing something that I've been doing for free for half my life. And then, oh, you know what? You can get five, six figures for doing this, and it's awesome. So I'm just, you know, I just stay focused on that. Oh, yeah. Um, now, have you seen King of the Nerd season one and two before you joined on three? So, uh, not really. So what happened was uh, the process that, you know, got me only took, like, a few weeks. But the thing was, I had auditioned for season two, and I thought I was a shoe-in because they wanted me so badly, and then it fell through. And then when season three rolled around, uh, you know, they... You know, they weren't sure whether it was going to be renewed, and, you know, it got to the summer. They said, we, we still need more competitors, and we really don't have the mix that we want. And since you were already in the loop, you were, you got pretty far in, uh, you know, what we thought. And they said, they, you know, they sent an email out in general to all everybody who had applied. They said, you know, give it a shot. You know, send us a new video. I said, you know, screw that. I'm not sending you a new video. I'm not sending you a new app. I just forwarded the same stuff I'd sent them the previous year. And they said, that was good enough. We want you to be on the show. I'm like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, there are previous people that we talked to. We uh, This season is the first season where you didn't get to pick your own teams. And I think that kind of changes the whole dynamic of the show as it did the first two seasons. I mean, yeah, I mean, you it's a schoolyard pick. You just gravitate towards people that you think are going to be good players, people who are similar to you. And here we just kind of all got thrown together, and then clearly a bunch of people decided to make the teams just by, you know, they, no matter what team you were assigned to, you can make your own. So that's pretty much what happened, and I was fairly oblivious to that process. So what, what do you think is your the most challenging nerd challenge that you were a part of this season? Challenging, the one I felt the most out of place in doing was probably the Rube uh, Goldberg. Like, I am absolutely terrible with my hands. Like, I, like, you know, if something breaks, and, you know, granted, you know, this is kind of me showing off being, like, you know, the rich, you know, douchebag here. But it's just, like, I'm so, like, off with my hands. Even if it's something really simple, I'd rather pay to have it fixed so that it's done right because I know that there's a greater opportunity that I'll screw it up doing it myself. No, I can understand you on that. I actually thought you were going to answer that it was the, the, the challenge that sent you home, the horror movie challenge. So it's like, so I really wasn't, uh, you know, I really wasn't, even though it was something that was out of my range, I, I just felt the need that I would study enough, I would do just enough to perform exceptionally well and, you know, perhaps sneak out with the victory. Well, I gotta say, you did really, really well because I'm sa I'm in the same boat with you. I'm not a horror movie fan, um, so a lot of those questions I I wouldn't have probably gotten right either. But you you hung in there and you did really well. I just think Amanda, who 
has been on our show before and is a sweetheart of a person. Uh, she just got lucky on the zombie she hit and got the right numbers out. Well, here's the thing. I can't even say that because, you know, she got, you know, she got two more swings than I did and only won by 100. So, technically, the, uh, you know, the odds weren't in her favor. And here's the thing, right? So, if I would gotten my question right, we would have had the exact same number of swings. And, you know, clearly, since she only won by 100, no matter what I hit, yeah. I would have won. And that would have been patently unfair, too. So, I really, you know, frankly, I didn't like the old random number generator aspect of, you know, the nerd off, but, you know, frankly, she got one more than I did, and that's what sent me home. Did you go home and watch Halloween after that? Hell no. Like, I still Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the question that sent you home was the Halloween question, and I thought after that yeah. you might have either either went home and burned a copy in your front yard or watched it. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just as apathetic about horror films as I was before. Well, good. I'm right there with you, man. I, horror films just aren't my bag. Like, I like some of the slapstickier ones, like your Zombie Land and your Army of Darkness and Evil Dead, the Bruce Campbell kind of movies. But like super horror movies, that's just that's just not my bag. So yeah, I mean, I'm right. So I'm, I'm right there with you. So like, it wasn't my thing. They uh, went ahead and coached. Like, so not only did they figure out what the challenge is, they sat back and coached her for multiple nights about freaking horror films, trying to get her to come at me. So, yeah. You know, Which, once again, it's just like it's just, this is a team effort. And Caitlin, you know, God bless her. Caitlin's a great, you know, horror movie fan. She's there. She was there for emotional support. I was glad to have her with me and glad to have somebody to talk to. Yeah. But you know. That's a that's a one on like you know that's a one on four, yeah. I mean there's seven of us left. That's a one on five you know challenge here. So. Yeah. But I, I tell you <laughs> what, it kind of it kind of shows you what they were up against because you used my favorite quote from The Wire on the show. When you come at the king, you best not miss. And I was like, damn! It took their whole secret six team slash alliance slash whatever to take you down. So, I mean, you got to feel yeah. at least good in that. It took all of them to take you down. It's, I mean, of course I do, but, you know, uh, I've seen The Wire. You know, for all of this, for all the gun battles, at Omar One, he gets capped by a friggin', like, you know, 10-year-old kid going out to get groceries. And, like, you know, that was just rather fitting. Yeah. That, that you know, for all my efforts, you know, you can't overcome a mob. So, yeah. I mean, that is what it is. Well, that, and I think you hit the nail on the head right there, man, because that's that's what it was. I mean, they were they had that mob mentality against you because they're like cult, like you. I'm actually surprised you got as far as you did without going to a nerd off because I figured once they figured out you'd been on Jeopardy, you'd won all that money on Jeopardy. I figured you were going to be like the first person in the nerd off every time. So I mean, here's the thing. So I mean, I was, but. You know, they went, so they went at Jacob, yeah. and because, you know, the guy was, he was very gregarious, very nice, and it literally was a shock when he went in, and uh, after that, I knew, like, all right, my time's up, because I know that people on my team were targeting me, I knew yeah. that people on the other team were targeting me, so if we lose again, then I gotta take somebody else, else out, or else I'm going home. So I knew that from the start, and Ori, once again... He's trying to sit back and, like, cut deals, you know, when we lose. I'm just like, you know, like, Heather and Amanda aren't going to, you know, split sides. They're not going to go against each other. 
Oh, hell no. Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan's with, Jonathan's not rather be with them than with us, so we're just hosed. And so I knew that there's nothing I can do with this team, there's nothing I can do with the other team, so, you know, I pretty much that, you know, stuck to that go it alone. Uh, need to pretty much go it alone, so. Yeah. And that was the only thing that kind of upset me because I was like, you guys need to get together as a group because it, they've had two females win back-to-back and be like, we need to have an all-dudes alliance, you know, bros before hoes, let's stick together, let's knock this thing out before anything happens. And I just, I never saw that that kind of guy alliance or that kind of bro code amongst you guys because it seemed like there was a couple guys that literally tried to stab you in the back. I mean, that's just, so the way it was, once they once they knocked out Jacob, yeah, you know, once they knocked out Jacob and, you know, they got rid of Thomas, so so already, like, the guy, it's five on five at that point, and yeah. pretty much, you know, Jonathan and Ben, they get invited to join the game, and Ori and I do not, yeah. so, you know, there was one guy on the team that was superior, so he knows what's good for him. So he's not going to join a bro alliance knowing that, you know, they would come at him. They would, you know, they would smell him out and come at him. So, I mean, I can't fault him for going along with it. Yeah, I mean, you know? I guess he kind of knew where his bread was buttered. So he's like, look, I got to stick with these girls because if not, I'm going to be up shit creek without a paddle. Exactly. And that's painfully obvious. You think about, you know, Jonathan's play. He's like, all right, we have this all-girl alliance. Um, so there's two guys left, and we lost the challenge. What are we going to do? Are we got to put the two guys, you know, against each other? No. Go ahead and fall on your sword, Heather. Like, that's just brilliant social play right there. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to give a lot of credit to Jonathan. Jonathan, because when you look at it from the outside looking in, you don't think he could be the puppet master he is, but the past two episodes, I've seen him pull some strings that I didn't think was going to work, and he somehow pulled a pulled a rabbit out of his hat. I mean, trust me, like you're, you're, I'm finding this out the same time that you are because all those little <laughs> diagrams that he drew up with the letter C in them representing yeah. me, you know who never saw those diagrams? This guy. This guy. <laughs> well, at least it's a lot better than you saying, like, he forgot to erase it. I walked by it six times. They couldn't figure out what the hell the diagram was. But it's just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we're, you know, we're flipping this around. Secret Six is dead. We're going to work with Colby. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. That's like, and I can understand. I can understand the fear. You don't want this to be an individual game. You're still the fiercest competitor out there. And, you know, I'd gun at you. But just remember, like, he walks up. It's like, all right, we're going to each other. We shake on it. It's like, all right, let's do this. And then, sure enough. Amanda, because you, rather than staying in the game, your primary goal is to go at Colby. And your primary reason for going at Colby, I don't know. Because here's what happened. There's a nerd off. I had absolutely no say in going in. They go to the other team to tell them to not vote me and to just pick somebody else to go against me because they'll do it themselves. Like, I didn't want to be in that nerd off. I would have gladly gone at somebody else if that meant that would have saved me. But no, you put me in, you put me up against your friend, and it didn't go your way. And now that means you come at me. Not the person who put you in that situation, because I had no say in it whatsoever. But, yeah, I mean, that dude pulled, that dude could teach, you know, that dude could teach Floyd, May- Floyd Mayweather how to duck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> 
Well, there was a lot. There was a lot of fun that happened in, during the season that you were on it, and I, I, I love the rap battle that you guys were doing, the song battles, and like. I thought those were hilarious. Like I was dying because, like, you, you were like the main songwriter, right? I mean, that's the way the show edited it to show. Like, you yeah, were the he main, wrote the whole thing. You wrote. You, you were the main yeah. songwriter, right, for for that song. And uh, tell us the the process. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I pretty much wrote all but two bars, and like the chorus was kind of lame. And I said, "Well, somebody do something better," and then it never happened. And you know, I just felt that I was put in that situation. You know, I really wanted to step up because I had an idea in mind and how it wanted to come off. And I knew it was going to be cheesy, but this is King of the Nerds, and it's okay. You might get away with being cheesy. So, like, we had we had these lyrics. I thought they were going to be good enough to get us over. And then, you know, when Travi McCoy says, yeah, you bought your lyrics, we couldn't really hear them that well. I'm just, you know, just going to throw up my hand and be like, all right, we've lost. Well, I thought the I I thought that your lyrics actually were more hit home because I, I, that was one of the things that you know they were talking about on the show was like how the I don't know it's like they weren't talking about cultures more like hey this is our time on Nirvana and I was like well that I don't know like from a and then you also have Moby coming in and just like bashing God how Moby was, that? was a bag of how dicks. was that because he edit he was edited to be like a real dick was he that bad like was that the way he really was. I think he came out better than I think the edit made him he come out better than expected. Wow. wow. Well, I'm not gonna lie, straight up. And here's the thing, like you know, I was so caught up in the moment, and I didn't want to piss him off because I knew we were already, you know, this is already an uphill battle because yeah. we don't know what the other team is gonna come at us with, and especially hearing like us get crapped on because well, like our sound mix is awful and like we can't really hear our voices; it's all muddled. And our dancing was pretty bad because I don't have any friggin' rhythm, especially on stage with a bunch of people watching me. So, like, here's the thing. He comes at us with stuff. He drops, like, you know, to try to establish nerd cred and then in retrospect realizing just how wrong he was and just, you know... It's just like he's, when he goes to the friggin' what do Klingons drink before going into battle... And he asked, you know, Ori about lyrics that I wrote because he doesn't freaking know any better. Like, it was just, like, this dude just went off on a dick tangent, and, you know, there's really no saving that. No. And, you know, Heather went off, and I'm glad that Heather, you know, stuck up for Ori, but by then, it was just like, we're just digging the hole a little bit deeper. Well, here's the thing, though. I kind of glad that Heather went off at him because... Once he started going off after the other judge had kind of said, you know, I couldn't really hear you, this and that, I'm like, they've lost. So it's like, you know what, if I've lost, I'm just, I'm driving that thing straight into the ground. Like, there's no saving that ship, so I'm just going to drive it right into the ground. So I'm kind of glad Heather was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not putting up with your shit, Moby. Yeah, like, I just felt like, oh yeah, you dropped this trivial stuff, and I just wish I would have just come at him and I'd be like, you know... Really, like, you know, there are all sorts of trivial things associated with your music. You know, there are things about your life that don't relate, that aren't important. And I would just, and I just felt the need to constantly refer to him as Richard. I mean, that's his real name, right? Yeah. So, if, you know, me knowing that Moby's real name is Richard has no effect on what I should think about his music. It's absolutely trivial, and it doesn't give me any more street cred to have that information. Nor does knowing that friggin' Warp drinks prune juice. Yeah. Make you a Trekkie or not? Like that's yeah. absolute bull. That's absolute bull. Yeah. And you know, I just had to sit there and take it because, well, maybe because, like, in the back of my mind, I know if I lose, 
If we lose, like, all right. Yeah, if we so lose, I'm going to the nerd off, up. and I'm screwed. Trap's going to hit the band, so I'm just going to try to stick and hope that whatever the other side's doing isn't all that good. But it blew us out of the water. I'm not going to lie. If I was in your boat, I would have told Richard, hey, you know what? The new Born Identity movie needs another song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, well, actually, when it comes to the the songwriting process, it, it seemed pretty effortless for you. Do you have a music background at all? I mean, you seem pretty like... I mean, so, like, the thing is, like, I'm more of a rock-oriented guy, but it's different, like, it's relatively difficult for me to come up with melodies like I'm a bass player so the reason I play bass is the easiest rock instrument to play and if you like here's the thing for a bassist to get noticed he has to be amazing or horrible like everybody in between is okay so when it comes to actually writing melodies like I wasn't going to be able to do it and when we came in to write the song you know they basically said we have these pre-made beats or if you want to try on your own, there's a keyboard and a guitar. And I'm just like, yep, that's not happening with this group. So I just don't think we'll be, we'll be able to compose a rock song. I think we might as well rap because rapping is what won the first season, even though it was a relatively inferior song. Maybe we might yeah. get some of the same judges and, you know, we'll get over. So, I mean, I had, I, you know, it came to me. I wrote, you know, those lyrics in a couple hours. Um, and... You know, I really thought it was going to go over well, and yeah, it didn't quite work out. Well, don't feel bad, man, because I'm not going to lie. I'm, I've been a, a, a fan of King of the Nerds since season one, and every year when they do the nerd anthem, it's the challenge that I least look forward to because you know it's coming, and it's in no offense to you guys, I think you did great with the time you had and what they gave you, but it's always a train wreck. Like, the, there's yep. not been a good one yet. I mean, I, I mean, I get it because, I mean, what can, you can't really make, I mean, unless, like, I'm not John freaking Lennon, I can't just crank out a pop song. Yeah. Or, I can't crank out a pop song in two hours, man. Like, this is not what any of us do on a regular basis. No, and I mean, and they, I, they can't expect that. It's not like they're dealing with Pharrell or Robin Thicke or something. Like, you can't crank out a, a catchy tune in two hours when nobody is is really a music major or a songwriter, so you know they do the best they can, and I think that I think that sadistically the producers love this episode because it is the most train wreck of the bunch. Yeah, I mean I totally get it. So I mean, like it was a train, like it's a train wreck, but you know what? Like you know, House Hulu had survivors, we didn't. Yeah, that's true. So, like, what do you do when you're not being a, a Jeopardy champion and, and whatnot? What do you do on your free time? What do you like? All right, my free time, so a lot of it's uh, gaming, so boards, board games, video games. Uh, you know, uh, I do try to watch TV when I have the time, but, like, you know, like, I'm a teacher, and I'm young, and I'm not burned out, and I work pretty hard, so... Like, as far as, like, free time, it doesn't come naturally. So, like, even in the summers, like, man, I'm in grad school. So, like, I really haven't had a significant part of time to myself. I mean, I did the show, you know, this summer or last summer. So, I will appreciate being done with school and being done with school. And, I mean, really kind of setting down and decompressing because, yeah, it's a lot. So, 
my free time and like and a lot of it is just like hey like i do have this thirst for knowledge so like sometimes you just go on wikipedia and you just follow the blue links until you find something that's interesting enough for you yeah i'll tell you what that wikipedia has become my new crack once i found that thing because you will go through a wikipedia rabbit hole like you'll go to one link to another to another and but by the time you look up you're like crap i've looked at wikipedia for three hours I mean, I've I've definitely done that. So, you know, it's never, I mean, it's always been something that, okay, or I'll go on Reddit. Like, the idea is that you can be so in tune with the world just because people are willing to offer up information. Like, that's huge, and that's part of the reason why I became a teacher is, like, really, like, I enjoy teaching history, but really what I'm trying to do is teach you how to process information, make it relevant to yourself and to another audience. That's really the skill that I'm trying to build here, and it's something that I enjoy doing. So, I mean, it just came, you know, pretty naturally to me. Well, it was fun to find out. Are you still teaching in Chicago? I, I am. So, I. So here's the thing, right? Uh, even if I had won, it's not like I could retire. Right. So, so I really like what I do, and you know, I love the kids that I teach. I mean, most of them. Some of them are jerks, but you know, that's just that's just how people are. But, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine doing anything else with my life. And people said, oh, what if you went on, like, you won a million dollars? Well, I still couldn't retire. Like, I'm too young for that. And I'd still come back and teach just to have something to do. Yeah. You know, you you go crazy when you don't have, I mean, for me, this isn't a grind. Like, this is a career. This is a passion. And, uh... You know, the idea is that I go to work every day and I experience something new and I learn because, you know, sometimes kids ask good questions about stuff I don't know and we can sit back and we can look it up together, you know, right in the middle of class. Like all the kids have, you know, freaking tablets now. So when they're not, you know, fooling around playing games in the back of the room, hoping they don't, you know, like some of them are on the ball and stuff like that happens. Well, that's awesome. Well, how have your students taken to their, you know, teacher being a celebrity? Because, I mean, you were a Jeopardy celebrity, and now that you're on King of the Nerds, I mean, how, how's that working in the classroom? I mean, it's it's fine. Like, kids want to talk about, you know, the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I'm trying to talk about, you know, the Ottoman Empire, because <laughs> I guess the show's more interesting than the Ottoman Empire. But, you know, I'm able to shut that down pretty quickly. You know, maybe there's a lull in class, and people... But, you know, they do follow the show. They have very... Uh, passionate beliefs about stuff that happens to me and about the other people on the show and they are not shy in explaining the, you know and explaining those feelings to me and to their classmates it's you know it's kind of fun but the idea of your teacher being a d-grade celebrity it's uh it's interesting and i tend to uh i pretty much run with that but the thing about it is for, you know, my seniors who have known me for four years, I'm not a changed person just because I've been on TV. So I definitely believe that in being on TV doesn't change who I am. And being on TV, I project the exact same person that you've known all this time. And anybody who's known me for an extended period of time will tell you that. Well, and see, that's what I really like because you were one of the – I mean, don't get me wrong. I think – because we, we've talked to a lot of the, the King of the Nerds cast. We talked to Kayla France, who won uh, last season. We've talked to Heather. We've talked to Amanda. We've talked to Ben Tully. We've talked to Todd the Bod. Am I missing anybody? Uh, 
I think I'd say yeah. That. So we've we've talked to quite a bit of the cast, and and everybody I think was being real because I watch a, a lot of reality TV, and you can kind of tell when people are being real or when they've got like an agenda, like they want to spin off or they're trying to do this to land a gig elsewhere. But all of you guys were super real, and what I really liked was. You were very real, and you seem like somebody I'd want to hang out with and spend time with because, like, when you got upset, prime example, the last episode uh, you were in before everything happened with the nerd off, you were like, look, man, I need a minute. Like, I, I, just, I need you guys to leave me alone for a minute. And you went and you kind of chilled out by yourself, and then one of the girls was nice enough to come check on you and everything. But, like, th- to me, that was very real. Like, I knew if I was in the same situation as you – I probably would have went in there, grabbed a six-pack of beer, and said, look, guys, I'm going to step out front. I'm going to drink these beers, and I'll come back in, but I need to decompress for a minute. Like, uh, I don't want you all up in my face. And, you know, I I got it, and I really, really appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just the thing with nerds, and especially ones like, I don't think I'm particularly introverted. Yeah. But if I'm in a funk, or if you guys are out doing something, that I don't really care about. Like, I don't feel the need to involve myself just to be socially active. So, you know, right after, right, you know, I think right after that, they're like, Colby, we're going to play, you know, Star Wars improv. You should join us. I'm like, pass. And yeah. I would say that 70% of that statement was out of anchor. But 30% yeah. of it was because I thought it was lame. Like, I didn't want to, I wouldn't, if I were in the best of spirits, if, you know, Teen Smash had won every single challenge, I would not want to engage in Star Wars improv with any of you. Like, and there are moments like that where your attempt to involve me just kind of ticks me off. And I'm kind of glad that I had that time off by myself. No, um, and I, I think it, it it looked really good as a person and as a character, like, it looked really good because you were like, look, I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret, so I'm going to take a minute and kind of decompress and just give me a second. Because un- unlike one of the other guys we interviewed, who we really, really like, Todd the Bod, love him to death, great interview, great dude. Like, if he had taken that minute to go have a timeout, maybe he would have blown up and turned into the villain he turned into. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to be alone and like and so here's the thing so i understand how todd felt because i felt the same way yeah and you know i talked to todd pretty extensively he was going through so like one thing i, I you know i think remember i promised that you know i'm going to stick with you because there's a game you wanted to try that was in the house and we had enough free time and it's just like you know what i want to talk you through this i want to stay here as long as as long as i have to and you know, try to talk you down, try to make sure that you're in somewhat of a good spirit, that you're somewhat focused, because you know you're going in. Yeah. If we don't do it, they, if we don't put you in, they're going to put you in. Yeah. And so, like, we know your time's up, and all you have to do is fight like hell. So in my situation, it's just like, I, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to mope a little bit, I need to be alone for a little bit, and then I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to get focused. For this challenge, because you know I didn't flame out like Todd did. No, because uh, I, I loved know, it, man. So I, mean, so I, you know, I, I came hard. I answered one fewer question in a category I knew pretty much bugger all about yeah. versus a pro. And well, I just got to go deal with that. 
Well, I appreciate it, man, because as, as, as one dude talking to another dude, I loved it. Like, you're like, man, I'm in a crap situation. I've got one of either two things I can do. Either I can get mad and I can have a fit or I can do what you do, which I thought was awesome. You just straight up knuckled up like Rocky. You're like, screw it, man. I'm in a bad situation. I'm going to knuckle up. I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to go down swinging. And I've got a lot of respect for that. Frankly, like, thank you. But, you know, that's just, that was that was where I was. And, you know, there really wasn't much that I could do about it. It's just, you know that you're up against the wall. And I knew I was going in. I didn't expect Jonathan to duck, but... Yeah, you know, Jonathan ducked like hell. Well, you were saying earlier you're a gamer. What, what system are you playing on right now? So me, like... So here's the thing, right? I'm so behind because, like, teaching and, you know, stuff got yeah. in the way. So, like, buddy, I'm still, I know you have, like, a PS4. Like, I'm just, like, I'm still, you know, muddling through, you know, a bunch of games for PS, for just my PS3. Like, I start, like, I played, like, the last thing I did before I left to do the show was a playthrough of Fallout. Like, Fallout came out when I think, you know, George Bush was president, man. Like, that's... <laughs> That's what I did this summer. Like, all right, let me just go, let me just churn out freaking 40 hours of Fallout. And it was great. It's like, man, this game is awesome. Maybe I should have played it five years ago, but I, you know, that wasn't a big deal. And so a lot of my games are old, but they're still good to me because, like, I can go on eBay and buy them for freaking 10 bucks and call it a day and be entertained for 40 hours. Um, a lot of the board games that I, like, I put a lot more investment, a lot more time into board games because, I, you know, actually told this story when I got on Jeopardy. It's like, oh, yeah, you're in the European board games. Like, what does that mean? Well, you have to understand that American board games are all about, you know, killing or bankrupting or otherwise ruining your opponent. In a European board game, you just have to be a little bit more efficient to win. So tons of strategy, a lot, you know, interaction with others, trying to figure out what others are trying to do. And it's really one of my main kind of social outlets. Well, so. that's actually funny that you mentioned that because at least here in our area, kind of in the Orlando area, we've gotten a really big resurgence lately with board games, and we've got two places that opened up. One is uh, the Cloak and Blaster. The other is going to open up here in Lakeland called The Game Shelf. And um, basically what they are is they're kind of like little bar and grills that you go to but the tables are all set up so you can bring a role-playing group or you can bring a board game. And they have huge shelves full of board games. And you just pull out a board game and play it. And then, you know, you've got a waitress like you do at any other restaurant. And they'll bring you food or beer or whatever you want. And that's kind of become a big thing around here. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, so there's a similar place in Chicago called Geek Bar. And I got actually... So I'll tell you, like, I did a little bit with my money, like, invest in a restaurant, which is, you know, financially speaking, typically not the smartest thing to do. Yeah. But uh, it was, you know, it felt like an obligation that, you know, I really believe in this, even if my pocketbook says it shouldn't. And, like, we do a similar thing here. And, you know, I would have to say, like, the business right now, we're doing, you know, fairly well because there's a good market out there for, like, something very similar to what you described and I'm you know I'm really glad that places like that are popping up you know where you guys are so now are you involved with geek bar yeah so I mean I'm a yeah I'm like a half a percent owner so yay yay me 
Well, that's awesome, man. Well, it, it, please plug Geek Bar. How can they, if they're in the Chicago area, because we've got, you know, uh, listeners from all around the globe, if they're in Chicago, how do they find you guys? You got a website or a Twitter? Or a... Yeah, we got, yeah, we totally do. I mean, if you just Google Geek Bar Chicago, or I think even just Geek Bar, period, like, that's what comes up. <laughs> well, man, that's awesome. We'll have to check that out, because actually my uncle lives in Chicago, and I hate flying, but I usually about once a year try to go see my uncle because I'm not – I'm a country boy, and I'm I'm not going to lie about it or make no bones about it, but that's the one big city that I actually feel comfortable in. No, I mean, I get it. Um, and, you know, like I – you know, I've lived here pretty much my whole life except when I went off to, you know, university. And, yeah, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. So um, Red, I'm glad, glad your uncle's still here. I'm glad that you enjoy coming up here, but definitely, you guys, uh, you know, folks that are in around Chicago, please show up. Like, I could use the dividends. Oh, well, well, trust me, I, I, will, I will break the bank at your place on a bar tab, so trust me. If if you get me in Chicago, you, you will make bank on my bar bill, so don't you even worry about it. All right, man, that sounds good. Well, man, uh, thank you so much for calling. Is there anything else you wanted to plug, or do you want to plug your Twitter, or you got a website or anything like that? I don't even have a Twitter. So, I mean, if you guys, you know, if there are fans that want to just, you know, chat me, hit me up on Facebook, you know, you know, I'll try my best to respond. I don't turn off, you know, you know, people. That, yeah. You know, message me unless you, you know, you're spamming like complete crap, or you know, you're saying like racist stuff. Like that's what I saw on Jeopardy a few times. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but if you want, to, I don't have a Twitter because I don't believe that any self-respecting high school teacher should have one. Well, I've got a funny story to tell you about your Twitter, because somebody has a Colby Twitter oh, yeah, account. Oh, yeah, the guy who took my name is like, you know, yeah. he already said it's a parody, so that makes it okay. Well, I'm not going to freaking demand, I'm not going to create my own Twitter profile to usurp that one, because I don't really care what gets said on Twitter. I mean, I guess I care what's said about me, but I don't feel the need to uh, throw myself out there to crowds because here's the thing about the internet and i tell my kids this like everything you put on the internet it's there forever Forever. and if you you do dumb stuff it's there forever so there's like a lot of dumb stuff that you know i think about stuff i did as a kid oh my god yeah yeah like you know everybody does dumb stuff but you know what i didn't talk about it on the internet i didn't feel the need to talk about it on the internet when i was a kid I don't feel we need to talk about it on the internet now, and especially not to anybody who wants to come and see it. <laughs> well, you may or may not get a kick out of this. So I didn't know the Colby guy was a fake parody account. So I hit him up on Twitter trying to get this interview set up. Well, I'm like talking to the guy. I'm like, oh, man, you're my favorite. Like basically the same thing I've been doing to you, kind of pouring my heart out this guy saying like, oh, you know, I, I really relate to you. Like, I, I de- you're the kind of dude I want to hang out and have a beer with, yada, yada, yada. This goes on for, like, two days before I finally read, because I'm an idiot, that it's a freaking parody account. <laughs> so there's some guy out there that had me, like, pouring my heart out to him for two days, talking to him, trying to get him to come on this show, and, and he's got a damn parody account. I mean, like, that's what happens once again, you know? It's, uh, 
we got our own problem solving. Like you saw, you saw my demise. Part of it was not, you know, reading all of the fine Brendan instructions. So, yeah, I mean, that guy has been is parked at that uh, Twitter account for like two years. I want to thank you so so much for calling, and and everybody out there in in Patio Land. I want to tell you definitely check out King of the Nerds. It's my Friday night tradition. It's what I do every Friday night before I go to the bar. Uh, check it out, TBS, at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, also, you can check it out on TBS.com if you miss an episode because they stream the episodes. So definitely check it out. So thank you, thank you so much for calling. All right, man, no worries. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Night. And that was our amazing interview with Colby from TBS's King of the Nerds. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all you guys out there listening. I want to say very, very special thank you to TBS uh, for helping us with all these interviews. And TBS has been such a just a great, great partner with us and has helped us out so much with these celebrity interviews. And we just we definitely want to tell them thank you and thank you for their time. So, Johnny, how can they reach us and find the happy hour on the face space and the inner space and the interwebs? There. <clears throat> There is a myriad different ways people can find us. They can find us Facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show, SoundCloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast. Of course, we're on Twitter at HH Podcast Show. You can send us a line at HH Podcast Show at gmail.com. We're trying to get our uh, next mailbag episode, so definitely send us a line there. And we're on YouTube.com forward slash happy hour podcast. You just type in happy hour podcast. We're everywhere on the internet, so definitely yep. check us out. Do it some Twitch streams and stuff as well, so check that out. Sounds good, and of course, when you talk about the Happy Hour Podcast on Twitter, there's three ways you can hashtag us. You can hashtag us at hashtag Happy Hour Podcast. You can hashtag us at hashtag HH Podcast Show. And of course, you can hashtag us at hashtag Deuces on the Loose. Later. Later.